This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wait, he's very fast. Yeah. The world's greatest team of heroes has finally come home. Home sweet home. To Justice League. Not so fast. All them heroes is in the house. Just watch. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the DCAU Review, episode 264. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, as we chatted about at the end of last week's episode, uh, the, the Flash movie, the much, the much maligned and tur- uh, turbulent Flash movie is finally uh, just, uh, just about to hit theaters in a, a week from now or so, less than a week from now. And so we thought to, to tie in with a little bit of a synergy, a little bit of SEO for ourselves, we could uh, perhaps tack onto that a little bit with a, a look at uh, at the character of the Flash, the DCAU's version of the Flash, that being the Wally West version, and uh, thankfully uh, a version that is uh, a bit less controversial, shall we say, than the live action version for various reasons. Uh, but yes, we are here with yet another one of our character spotlight episodes. That is right, Liam. We are tackling volume one of the fastest man alive. That, of course, being The Flash, as you mentioned, in theaters, allegedly uh, coming up in the next week, provided no major PR, uh, additional major PR issues occur. I feel like uh, a certain star of the movie would have to kill someone maybe before they <laughs> They pulled it, but uh, let's not wish that uh, or put that speak that into existence. Let's just uh, let's just say, yep, it'll be quiet until this movie drops and we will all be cheering the return of Michael Keaton as Batman and and all of the fun that will be had. The popcorn will be flying and, uh, you know, all the nostalgic feels will 
will happen. But uh, speaking of our own nostalgic feeling, yes, we are going to look back here, uh, starting with the very first appearance of uh, of the Flash. We assume it's the same Flash. There was never any differentiation between uh, Barry Allen or Wally West in the uh, in the in the suit. We know it's uh, it's Wally West in Justice League. We assume it's the same uh, in his initial appearance in the Superman the Animated Series. But uh, yeah, let's let's even go further back as we talk about the origins of the character himself as we break down the Flash in this uh, this character spotlight episode, which of course is brought to you by. The Pod Tower. Don't forget, if you like all things DC animation, check out the Pod Tower. That's the place for you. Head over to youtube.com slash the Pod Tower today, uh, where you can not only listen to great podcasts like the Watchtower database produced Jump on the Batwagon, as well as the entire Tim Talk catalog, which uh, they covered all of the episodes we're about to talk about today as well. You can hear their thoughts on those episodes. But, of course, you get our entire catalog as well, meaning the episodes that we're going to talk about today we've already covered, and it's all in one convenient place for you. Head over to youtube.com slash thepodtower today. Absolutely. So, yes, we'll briefly touch on the character created. Of course, this version of The Flash, the Wally West version, First appeared as uh, in his Kid Flash guise back in the Flash issue 110 in uh, December of 1959, created by writer John Broom and uh, legendary DC artist Carmine Infantino, uh, probably better known for a lot of his work on Batman. But uh, character itself, as we always do a little backstory here, he was, you know, he was part of that era where in the wake of the massive success that that robin had 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 over the past uh you know probably almost 20 years by that point uh every hero uh if they were going to stick around kind of needed a needed a kid sidekick and <laughs> and so the the flash was no exception barry allen's the flash taking on wally west as his sidekick and kid flash of course going on later to star in books like the teen titans and uh, and all of that uh, over the years, all through the the seventies and eighties, and then finally in the twelfth issue of the the legendary Marv Wolfman George Perez epic Crisis on Infinite Earths, when Barry Allen uh, gives his life to save the multiverse, uh, Wally steps up and becomes the new Flash, and it's wild now because we've kind of in the last maybe fifteen to twenty years have kind of shifted back to Barry being. Uh, the focal point of the of the Flash universe, so to speak. Uh, Wally was just the Flash for uh, certainly when we were growing up, uh, all all through the rest of the eighties and all through the nineties into the kind of the mid to late two thousands. While it was it was pretty much kind of accepted uh, accepted as uh, as fact that uh, you know Wally had a much longer tenure than even some of those other you know, kind of late coming, you know, 90s replacement heroes like a, a Kyle Rayner or Connor Hawk Green Arrow or someone like that. Like Wally was the Flash. And I think for a lot of people now of, of multiple generations, certainly people to our age, both because of comics and because of, of the Justice League animated series, which we'll get into in a moment here, uh, Wally is, is the Flash to them. And a lot of the characteristics that they associate with a Flash character, the sort of jovial quipping light-hearted uh, nature of it come from you know a writers like uh, mark wade and jeff johns and who who worked with wally over the years and kind of built him out into his own unique character outside of the uh, the shadow of barry allen 
Yeah, as you mentioned, we we have a a soft spot in our hearts for those characters that we grew up with. You know, I liken it to our 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 parents' generation would probably you know had had a soft spot for for the characters that uh, that had replaced the the grandparents' version of these characters. So, right, Jay Garrick was no longer the Flash; it was Barry Allen. So, yeah, every generation encounters that. You have people that that are going to be uh, endeared to those particular interpretations or versions of the character. But yeah, it, it has, has felt for a very long time to me, uh, gut, gut, uh, or gun to my head, gut, gut feeling. Who's the flash. It's, it's Wally West. Wally is the flash to me, to you and to so many people in our generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, when Jeff Johns took over and did the Flashpoint storyline, resetting a lot of the DC, bringing the new 52 into into existence and all of that, that was all about kind of bringing back those heroes that he had more of a connection to Hal Jordan being reset as Green Lantern and while and uh, Barry Allen being reset as as the Flash, as you mentioned. But yeah, for for our generation, even us who were not necessarily main continuity comics readers for a very long time uh mm-hmm. we our our singular exposure to dc comics was through the dc animated universe and it's uh loosely based tie-in comics that that was still our our flash was wally and and kyle was our green lantern so um yeah it 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 he holds a, a near and dear place obviously he's he's not gone he's still a part of of comics continuity and i know there have been various different reincarnations where he was once again the kid flash and uh, i think there have been other mantles or various versions of the flash that he's kind of taken on uh, Mm -hmm. in the main continuity since then but yeah he truly is uh, for for all intents and purposes the flash to us and uh, the fact that they went with the wally west flash for the dcau is not surprising based on based on how how comics were written at that time you wouldn't go back in time and pull that those other uh versions of of those characters simply because it was uh you you had to do the corporate synergy right you you went with absolutely you mirrored what was happening in the comics so that uh you know little johnny picks up a a, a comic book he's gonna see wally west in in the flash costume he's not gonna come to the to the uh, cartoon where all of a sudden barry allen who was dead in the comics for over a decade at that point or over two decades probably at that point uh is is the flash would be too confusing for him so you gotta (laughs) you gotta keep that corporate synergy going of course, of course, very important. There's one thing that we will always stand by on this show: is corporate synergy and brands. <laughs> We're big brands guys. That's our absolutely. I haven't done a new T-shirt in a while. I think that's <laughs> we love brands. Is our, <laughs> the next next piece of merchandise that you can you can pick up at the DCAU Review Shop. Love that. But yes, Cal, we will get breaking into the the DCAU appearances of the flash and and uh, it's kicked off with uh superman the animated series episode entitled speed demons an episode which features uh the sort of the archetypal classic story that has been told and retold over the years in several different comics several different mediums in fact the classic superman racing the flash uh to decide who once and for all is the true fastest man alive This is going to be 
Man's gonna shred that guy from Central City. Don't bet on it, Jimmy. There's a good reason this guy's called the Flash. Oh, yeah? Well, if he's so swift, where is he? Sorry I'm late. Just woke up two minutes ago. Give me five, big guy. Ah, too slow. Flash, do you really think you stand a chance against the Man of Steel? Man of steel. Feet of lead. May I quote you? You could do more than that, doll. How about an exclusive after the race? A fast worker, eh? Just watch me. I'll run circles around this super slug. Save it for the race. And along the way, they run afoul of a uh, disgruntled... A uh, man with the with a special magic wand that allows him to control the weather. A wizard, if you will, uh, <laughs> who uh, who, ca- who wreaks havoc not only on Superman and the Flash, but on kind of all over the the city of Metropolis and all over the world as he attempts to sort of hold the world for ransom via this weather machine that he has. Where the Flash, who I think in this appearance is a, a bit more one note, as you know, he's a guest star. He's not quite as fleshed out yet. Uh, he's very impulsive. That's kind of the theme of the episode that he just wants to kind of go in guns blazing where, whereas Superman is a bit more measured and is a little bit kind of put off and annoyed by the, the impulsiveness of, uh, of the flash. But ultimately they, uh, they, they put aside their differences. They link up, they're able to stop the weather wizard in a good old fashioned team up. And then for good measure, after dropping the weather wizard off in prison, they decide uh, this time not for any cameras, not for any uh, any big events or charity. They're just gonna for the, for the fun of it. As we end end that episode, they're gonna decide well, once and for all who is the real fastest man alive. An answer that, as far as I know, we never really get answered officially. Though most most interpretations of these characters would give it to the Flash. I think. Yeah, it's and it's interesting because this was a this was a an idea obviously that did not originate with the DCAU. I believe uh, Superman number one ninety nine uh, holds that uh, distinction for the first. We're going to have a race between Superman and the Flash occur. Uh, so we 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 go back to the night late nineteen sixties when this this uh, this idea came to fruition initially of the uh, two fastest individuals on the planet having a race for fun. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it is, uh, it is certainly an interesting episode in my mind. This was like a season three Superman episode where they, <laughs> you know, they started bringing in all of those guest stars, Aquaman, right. Green Lantern. But the, interestingly enough, this is very early on. This is number 17 and air date and number 22 in production number when it comes to this. So this is very, very early on in the in the run for Superman to throw in a guest star, which would then kind of set the table for them to be able to do this later on in those season three uh, episodes where you began to have those crossovers or, you know, you open up the world a little bit and you have the Kirby characters come in, you know, the fourth world start to show up. So, yeah, it, it is very interesting. It's an interesting episode, um, you know, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Of course, we we have a different Flash voice actor for this episode. So going back in time, it is certainly odd to now go back and review this episode, as we did, by the way, which you can check out our review in the archives uh, on your favorite podcast app on the Pod Tower or at DCAUReview.com. This is episode, get this, Liam, 
18 <laughs> way back there Jeez. uh yeah it was quite quite some time ago as we uh as we tackle 264 this week but yeah if you want to check out our our review uh of that episode so yeah episode 18 so it was uh it was very early on there but it set the table it is an interesting concept i like the idea that they're doing this race for charity uh the flashes personality certainly the quit machine the the ribbing the the arrogant overconfident character certainly plays into this episode as it would later on in uh, injustice league i feel like he's a little bit uh less of the He's kind of like the Joey Tribbiani character from Friends later on in Justice League, where he's just kind of he's very he's very funny, but he's also very oblivious in a lot of ways that makes him out to be a little bit dumb. Sometimes Uh, you don't quite get that in this episode that he's dumb. He's just kind of arrogant and goofy uh, in some ways. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Of course, ultimately, uh, Superman and the Flash have to team up in order to defeat the weather wizard. And uh, they are able to do so where and we don't quite get the answer because their race is interrupted. But then we kind of get the uh, the the race commencing as we roll credits. So we don't quite get the answer that we're looking for just to just who is the fastest man alive. But it's a it's a fun episode. I mm-hmm. like I liked, you know, obviously when we saw, see this for the first time, we'd only ever seen Batman prior to this. Uh, Batman and Robin, obviously the bat family. And then you get Superman, you finally get a Superman episode. And then now you're getting this character, the flash who, you know, we had the superpowers figures growing up, you know, you have the flash figure, little superpowers flash figure. You play with that, but you don't really ever get to see, you know, we, we weren't big comics readers, as we said at the time, as far as the main continuity was concerned. So you don't know a whole lot about the Flash. And this is your first introduction to this guy. You know, the wizard, weather wizard uh, based on, you know, some some comic covers that we had seen with appearance in a, in detective comics. So, you know, of the weather wizard. But now you get to see these characters fleshed out in action. So I think for for those reasons alone, you know, you start to open up this this DCAU world and involve these these big seminal dc characters uh it's important for that reason and and it's a fun one to revisit and one we might revisit in the future i'd say absolutely definitely one uh, we we joke uh, on and off the air quite often about how many uh superman episodes we kind of burned through uh, in our our early days of our <laughs> podcast and didn't probably give a lot of them the the full attention they deserved so Yes, there may be some uh, some re re reviews in our in our future uh, for uh, for episodes like Speed Demons. Certainly, look forward to tackling that in more depth in the future. But moving on from there to our next appearance on screen for the Flash is, of course, the first season of Justice League, which will be running down the rest of that whole entire season for our volume one of this this uh, character spotlight here. And uh, Flash has a distinction as the only member besides Batman, Superman, and Jean to actually be in all three episodes of Secret Origins, the uh, the pilot episodes of Justice League, because he's on like a little news interview uh, <laughs> in in part one where he's uh where he's chatting uh, chatting it up as uh, Superman uh, begins to uh, disarm the world's nuclear bombs. Good evening. This is Snapper Car reporting. It's been six months since Senator J. Allen Carter's dramatic disarmament plan was ratified. While Superman has been working around the clock to disarm hundreds of deadly warheads, public support for the plan has swelled. Superman rocks! Yet some remain skeptical. Hey, the big guy's heart's in the right place, but give me a break. I'm the fastest man alive. 
And even I can't be in five places at once. Still, with more missiles being dismantled every day, most of us will sleep better knowing that Superman is watching over us. Uh, and uh, the, the Flash gets interviewed. But yes, we have the, the intro. A lot of moving parts in that episode. It's not really a Flash-centric episode. If there's one thing that does stand out, we do get kind of an immediate pairing off what will become kind of one of the beloved uh, buddy cop relationships that this series sets up and which you know is further fleshed out in later seasons in JLU but we get our first GL and Flash pairing in uh, in parts 2 and 3 of Secret Origins as we we set up the, just the dichotomy of the uh, the no nonsense military man and John Stewart and this sort of free spirit uh you know quick quick to act slow to think uh Flash they're kind of there's that instant uh, that instant uh, chemistry the the uh, the uh, the chocolate the peanut butter and jelly uh, coming together there with uh, with John and and, and the Flash kind of hitting hitting it off even though they're kind of butting heads immediately. Yeah, you get the odd couple. It's 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 the old it's the it's the classic Hollywood trope of of two opposites somehow working together to make uh, to make a, a funny, interactive, hilarious team that play off each other despite being completely on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to personalities. So, yeah, that episode, obviously, I mean, we could go into into detail another episode that we'll likely revisit for a re-review in the future because we covered this episode way back on episode 30 of the podcast. So who knows down the line, if we do a, a re-review month of Justice League episodes, you might hear us tackle that one since it was so long ago. But yeah, obviously his his place in that episode, I think my main thought and, and memory as we originally saw that episode was, oh, we get the Flash and this is the same Flash that we saw in the Superman, the animated series. He sounds different, maybe looks a little thinner than he did and then he appeared in that, but uh, as we'll talk about uh, once we go through the episodes, you know, he had made appearances in uh, the Batman tie-in comics for Gotham Adventures. So we know the Flash is around in the DCAU, and now we know he's going to be a part of this Justice League. It makes sense. He has this pre-established connection with Superman, although I don't remember it. It's not really referenced uh, from my recollection uh, that they had this interaction prior, but people viewing know okay they had this race before the flash is around you don't need to introduce him we didn't we didn't really talk touch on that but it's interesting that they in speed demons didn't even bother it's not an origin story for the flash he's just there he's already been established he's a well-known superhero from central city so because he was already established in that series you don't have to do an intro as to who he is they kind of bring him in, assuming that you already know who the Flash is, which saves you some time from having to tell a story. Uh, hey, Hollywood writers, uh, take take note. Uh, you don't have to do an origin story for every character every time you start a new movie franchise uh, with pre-existing characters. Uh, a lot of people, it's kind of in the uh, in the general public knowledge of who these characters are. You can figure it out. Otherwise, people aren't that dumb. <laughs> so absolutely, I, I appreciate the fact that uh that that uh that bruce tim and and the you know the people that worked on this show james tucker and and uh, Dwayne mcduffie and everybody that was involved with making this show paul dini everyone else alan burnett uh you know that that they didn't dumb it down to the point where you they had to explain every single character's origin to you the flash is the flash he's fast you'll pick it up if you don't get it like if you're not aware who he is you'll figure it out pretty quick 
Absolutely. Yeah. They, they drop you right in there other than wonder woman. Really none of our, our, our leaguers get like a, an intro. There's no uh, 2016 suicide squad style, uh, you know, stat stat sheets that appear <laughs> on the screen to explain who these characters are. So yeah, they drop you right in there. And uh, very soon after in the episode in blackest night, we pick up on the flash's adventures there again, a very green lantern centered episode is, John Stewart is on trial for apparently inadvertently destroying an entire world while trying to trace down a criminal. We, of course, find out later that it was a all a, a big plot by uh, the classic Green Lantern villain, the Manhunters, these uh, sentient robots that are trying to take over, uh, take over the Guardians, take over. Oh, uh, Flash plays sort of a background role, a little bit of comic relief, but there is a moment where he he does ultimately no he 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 steps up to be uh to be john's public defender so to speak in the trial and even knowing that uh that that he could be he could end up facing the same fate as john for agreeing to step up and and speak to it speak on his behalf he still does and he tries to uh he tries his best to sort of rally the troops to get kilowog to go up and give give john a character witness and he does everything he can but Ultimately, it's only when uh, when Superman and the rest of the league sort of uh, discover this hidden plot that uh, that Wally and John are saved and they they link up for their their final assault against the Manhunters. But again, you you deepen a little bit that relationship between uh, between the Flash and, and, and Green Lantern there. Listen to me with something this important. You've got to hear both sides. Flash, I told you not to get involved. They're railroading you, pal. Uh, uh, hey! Uh, Wait. Uh, this being may have a point. We don't want any lingering doubts about our final judgment, do we? Of course not. But who would speak for John Stewart? Don't you have any lawyers here? We solved our lawyer problem a long time ago. However, you could speak for him if you wish. But be aware. If you lose, you'll share the same penalty as the accused. The same penalty? You mean... That's crazy! No, that's how we solved our lawyer problem. What's your answer? Don't do it. What, you think I'm gonna sit back and watch while you play martyr? I'll defend him! Very well. Proceed. <clears throat> right, sure. But first, I'd like to say a few words about... about habeas corpus. Yeah, habeas corpus. And ipso facto, and... Phi Yeah, absolutely. He he he's the one that steps up, as you mentioned, is willing to defend him. That's pointed out later on by Hawk Girl that the rest of the Green Lantern Corps has sort of abandoned John uh, in this moment of of need. And uh, his true friends, the people that later would become his best friends in the league, Hawk Girl and the Flash, are the ones that end up stepping up to do it. There's of course plenty of quips, some funny moments. We get the if the ring wasn't lit you must acquit line which of course homages the famous johnny cochran line from the oj simpson trial uh you also get i love i remember uh just cackling the first time that i saw this episode when we get uh we get his reaction the flash's reaction to hearing why there aren't any lawyers uh, that are willing to defend uh, John. And that's because the lawyers also uh, get the same sentence based on the fact or based on whatever the, the, 
the uh, the outcome of the of the trial is. So if the uh, if the defendant is found guilty, then the lawyer is also sentenced in the same manner. So uh, there's some comedy that's played there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a, certainly a more Green Lantern centric story than it is a, a flash story. But as you mentioned, it deepens that relationship. It shows that. Uh, that the Flash has a heart and certainly values his friends, friends and friends friendships um, above uh, above you know him his own personal well being as would be played out uh, up until the very end of this uh, of the Justice League Unlimited run. So we know that that is something that they established very on is his love for his his fellow Justice League members and his uh, certainly his friends. Absolutely, yeah. So again, you just kind of set, setting up the baseline of the character. Uh, Flash would go on again. These Justice League episodes, generally each episode kind of focuses in on one character. So he he does make appearances in Injustice for All, parts one and two, as well as Paradise Lost, parts one and two, but it's not really a, a focal point of, of either episode. Some fun action sequences in those episodes of the Flash tangling with pe- folks like Solomon Grundy and Copperhead and and then, uh, you know, the the kind of the, the zombie warriors of Felix Faust and things in those episodes, but not a lot of character beats, so to speak, to talk about those episodes, though. I believe we did also review uh, Injustice for All pretty early on in the show as well, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. Yeah, I did not mention it. In Blackest Night was episode 31 in the archives, and Injustice for All was 43 in the archives. Actually, mm-hmm. our run from 43 to 46 were uh some of the some of the who's who's episodes of this of the show so yeah 43 was injustice for all and then 44 is uh maybe the next episode we can talk about which was uh legends uh you know that uh, it's in our top picks it's Mm -hmm. a it's another flash and gl adventure story uh with with hawk girl involved also and uh i i when we talk about my favorite episodes of the DCAU, let alone Justice League, this episode has to be in the discussion. It's just the travel to another dimension. You get the Justice Society stand-ins with uh, the Justice Guild, and you get... Uh, Speaking of, uh, as, as we briefly touched on, other other versions of The Flash, this is, for for all intents and purposes, our look at a a DCAU's Jay Garrick, so mm-hmm. to speak, with, uh, with the streak. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we get our first sort of parallel dimension uh, flash. You know, I think they eventually introduced Jay Garrick in the Justice League Unlimited comics, maybe later on the tie in mm-hmm. comics later on. You, but you do see his helmet in the Flash Museum in uh, in the last season of JLU as well. There you go. So it, he's around, he's lurking, but this is the only screen time we get for that sort of classic uh, you know, original Flash character. So uh, as far as the the streak is the stand-in, of course, since they could not use that Justice Society, those Justice Society characters for this particular purpose. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorite episodes ever. It's so heartwarming. I love the, the, the interactions that the Flash eats up living in this like stereotypical 1950s sitcom world of like, ice cream man it's like it's like he went to mayberry in in the andy griffith show and <laughs> just he's embracing it he's embracing calling the 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 classic silver age villain homages different names and and uh loving black siren who of course is a stand-in <laughs> for the black canary and he just 
He's not even asking the question of why they're there, what they're there for, how they get home. He's just embraced his role. He's just like he's just uh, he's he's just blissfully ignorant and happy. Like he's just enjoying being in the moment. That's right. And we find out those uh, those little lightning bolt things on his uh, on his on his cowl <laughs> are uh, are pretty sharp because he pops a blimp with them. That's so uh, <laughs> he, we, we get a little ingenuity. But yes, this also that episode, I would be remiss not to mention this is where uh, the term that we often use on our show, a, a nuns and dynamite comes from mm-hmm. as, yeah. as, as uh, there's a sequence where in, in the middle as the as as sort of is the, the plot of that episode is every time the Justice League sort of comes close to figuring out what's going on in this strange world. Some new crisis arises, including literally a truck full of dynamite careening towards a bus full of nuns at one point that the Flash has to uh, has to uh, spring into action to save. And and later on, when they when they mention that these day, anytime they get close to the truth, uh, Flash says it's it, anytime we get close to the truth, it's nuns and dynamite. Haven't you noticed that nothing here makes sense? Library books with blank pages, ice cream trucks that never stop. Dangers that spring up whenever someone gets too close to the truth. What truth? That your world is an illusion, a living memory of a civilization destroyed 40 years ago when the Justice Guild gave their lives for this earth. That's why they stopped publishing the comic book in our world. No more Justice Guild. And any time someone starts to figure things out. Nuns and dynamite. If what you say is true, who or what is creating this illusion? Perfect two episodes of television, that uh, that Legends uh, two part of theirs, as you mentioned, and other episodes in this first season. Uh, we'll we'll get to kind of the we might actually we'll do them a little bit out of order because there's really one main one to talk about. Sure. Um. So we'll save that one for last. But elsewhere in the season, he appeared in, of course, Fury parts one and two, which of course fe- fe- features the the rogue evil Amazon Aresia unleashing a a man killing poison on the world. Of course, Flash, along with the rest of the male leaguers, put out of commission by this poison, leaving kind of Wonder Woman and Hawk Girl left to uh, to team up and save the day and save the world at the end there. And then, uh, as mentioned, already we already covered Legends. We have a couple other small appearances. Uh, a Night of Shadows, parts one and two, uh, which uh, which is uh, again more of a Martian Manhunter focused episode. Though we, there is a fantastic wacky sequence in the in that episode, which features uh, the Flash and Wonder Woman going to like a Halloween party at what is a, a pastiche of the Playboy Mansion, mm-hmm. uh, and then the 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 Hugh Hefner stand in ends up getting turned into a giant worm that Wonder Woman and the Flash have to fight. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty yeah, it's a very it's a very wacky side quest to the uh, to the main episode, which of course features. The Martian Manhunter and uh, Etrigan and Morgan Le Fay and all this mystical stuff. But in the, like I said, in the middle of it, we just have this little wacky side quest where uh, the Flash is uh, the Flash and Wonder Woman go off to the Playboy Mansion. So that's that's kind of a fun little side quest. And, 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 and again, a way that we would see, I think, especially as, as it went on, where we could work in these little quirky character beats in the midst of these sort of epic and, and dramatic uh, comic book action storylines. Yeah, how, the the Harv Hickman character as you mentioned <laughs> is is a uh, is the one that ends up being turned into the worm. The Flash provides uh, yeah the the dose of reality. The he's 
actively engaged in fighting all of this mystical uh, magic that's happening in and around him and not too afraid to point out the ridiculousness of fighting a giant worm that was uh, <laughs> was created after turning the the smut salesman into uh, into him after being creepy towards Wonder Woman and uh, any other female that appears in the in the episode. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of lots of quips for that certainly uh, provides it. It's just that characterization that we just mentioned in the in the Legends episode where it, nothing surprises him. And it's not in the way that <laughs> Batman is not surprised. It's just he's he's embracing it and he enjoys it. He's like, oh, what? This is wacky. This is crazy, but I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be a superhero in the moment. So, yeah, there, so much of that, of course, as we'll talk about uh, is uh, is comes from the vocal performances we'll talk about in a little while here. But yeah, that uh, that episode of Night of Shadows, you can hear that. That's episode 45 on the podcast. If I did not mention it, Legends is episode 44. And uh, I think we only have like two two more first season appearance, notable first season appearances that we've actually covered so far. Absolutely. And uh, we'll mention there the, the season one finale of, uh, of Justice League being the, the epic Savage Time three-parter. Uh, again, not really a, a Flash-focused episode. A lot of the, the plot around that relies around uh, at least Flash's portion of that episode features, you know, Jon Stewart's power ring running out of juice and him sort of being left behind as, as Hawkgirl kind of makes the decision to to save some soldiers that were in harm's way rather than going back for John. And so it, it comes down to kind of this this back and forth between Flash and Hawkgirl of of, you know, Flash un, un you know, completely incredulous, completely can't believe that that Hawkgirl would leave their teammate behind and, and Hawkgirl kind of having to to point out to Flash that this is, you know, they're in a war zone and John is a soldier. And ultimately, she made the choice to save as many lives as she could, even if that meant leaving behind, you know, this this guy that they both in different ways care, you know, care very deeply about. So that's kind of Flash's uh, element to that, as well as, you know, getting to interact with the the alternate Batman, the alternate uh, the, the 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 rebel soldier Batman and and then some of the fun of the, the action sequences of that episode with the Blackhawks and the, the giant war wheels and and all that stuff. And then ultimately the flash being the one to run across the ocean to alert the allies of this impending uh, invading force of, of Vandal Savage's uh, third Reich army uh, coming to uh, to surprise attack America uh, with flash going to be the one to warn the, uh, the enemy uh, to warn the allies that the, the enemy was coming there at the end before they all finally make it back in the end. It's like I said, it's not a big showcase for the flash, but uh, he definitely gets uh, again some fun, uh, some fun moments along the way in that three-parter. Wait, this dude's picture is everywhere. Who is he? You there? Show me your papers. What? You heard me. Let's see your identity papers now. Sorry, but my identity's a secret. Chicks dig that whole man a mystery thing. You think this is a joke? You're under arrest. On what charge? Out of the way. Unit 295, we need backup. No, absolutely. I, I, I think the part that stands out was the, the one that you mentioned where he really goes in on, on Hawkgirl for, for abandoning John 
we mentioned at the top, his characterization of being an extremely loyal, caring, loving teammate is really the, his defining characteristic outside of the the quips, you know, the comedy, the comedic relief um, for for the character. So uh, it it is something that they established early on and continue to really hammer home that he is loyal. If nothing, he sees the group as a family. Um, you know, we see that later on in, in some of the, the season two episodes that we're not going to discuss today. But, you know, he really looks at the group. He's the innocent kid that just wants mom and dad. You know, he sees them, even though mom and dad fight all the time and don't agree on things, that they are the perfect family. They have the perfect marriage. Everything's going to be OK in the end. Um, so he really does have this bright, sunny disposition when when looking at things. But his 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 sort of shock that Hawkgirl would leave John behind enemy enemy lines without a weapon to defend himself is sort of the the defining moment for that part one. And, um, you know, I think s- somewhat adds a, an additional dimension to him of, of not just being the the quip guy. You know, it creates that idea that he does care. He does really see uh, the people that he works with as more than just, you know, coworkers. He's he sees them as that familial type relationship. So, yeah, you get you get to just sort of, again, deepen that relationship that he has with John, especially. And then, you know, it would not feel like a giant, you know, he you have these giant battles that are taking place between the uh, the Nazis and and the Justice League with the allies, it would feel strange that the fastest man alive was not there on the ground, you know, him him saving the different soldiers when they first encountered the war wheel uh, war wheels. And then, as you mentioned, him playing this sort of Paul Revere in this uh, in the mm-hmm. section of warning of warning the uh, the United States and the allies that that uh, the invading forces were on their way so that they can they can meet them and send them packing was was uh, was only fitting for him the uh the fastest man alive so yep it's a good episode overall obviously uh that's one of the most legendary episodes the first mm-hmm. three-parter it's uh it's so 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 well loved and appreciated that one episode 46 in the archives if you want to check out our review of that one definitely worth a revisit for that one in the future as well absolutely and uh as mentioned we don't uh, we don't really cover the justice league episodes in in uh, exact air date order or production order so we actually just more recently covered the last episode we'll talk about in in season one of justice league that we're going to be talking about today that being the brave and the bold parts one and two because this is this is the flash spotlight episode for this season not only does it introduce probably his most famous rogue that being uh gorilla grod it uh it's it's kind of a whole flash centered plot where they kind of dig into the idea of him as this very impetuous you know act without thinking guy and how ultimately and in the end he he outsmarts the super genius to save the day again you have that buddy cop relationship with him and john but ultimately it's it's the flash himself who who outsmarts the smartest guy in the room and you kind of you get to see you get again you get to build that even though he is kind of this this the silly a reverent character that he's he's got a little bit more going on behind the scenes than maybe folks give him credit for and uh, and ultimately he uh, he saves the day here but th- that's probably that's without a doubt the biggest uh, the flash uh, showcase for that season there's a lot of great homages visually to 
famous flash covers with uh with overweight flash and flash with the giant head and 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 all of that and some of the dream sequences as he's being sort of mind controlled by grod and then the the, the reference to jl apes with him turning into a gorilla in the flash suit at one point it's you, you he kind of goes through the ringer as he gets mind controlled all throughout part one of that episode and you're kind of putting together the mystery while also explaining this wacky gorilla city con concept and then ultimately in part two as as the rest of the league kind of deals with these missiles that are being fired towards gorilla city with gl and then the other the other justice leaguers on the ground in gorilla city trying to stop them uh in the meantime it comes down to just the flash and uh, and his and his benevolent gorilla pal salivar as they have to face down grod on their own and and flash rises to the occasion so it's a fun little fun little episode to maybe not only do a bunch of fun flash stuff and, and homages to stuff from the flash comics over the years, but ultimately also, you know, deepen, deepen the character a little bit more to see that, you know, he isn't, he isn't, you know, he's not the smartest guy on the team, but he's not, he's not a complete idiot either. Like he's not, he's not so one dimensional as maybe he, he seemed when we first meet him. Yeah, absolutely. And you can check out that one. That was, uh, we actually reviewed that back in August of last year on episode 221 of the podcast. We did a, a full month of uh, Flash episodes last month, uh, thinking that we were never going to get <laughs> the release of the Flash movie. But uh, here we are. We, we've we adapted. But yeah, it, that's a, that episode is so fun for so many different reasons. Um, you know, that, that episode was penned by, by Rich Vogel and Paul Dini. Uh, Paul Dini, apparently, as the story goes, had some sort of hand injury and couldn't finish it. So that's when they actually tapped Dwayne McDuffie in to, to complete mm -hmm. the writing. So he gets a, a teleplay credit on there. And, and ultimately, that sets the stage for what would become some of the best writing uh, of the entire series as they involve Dwayne McDuffie in, in the you know later seasons of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So for that reason alone, this episode is extremely important. But yeah, you get the comedy, the Paul Dini comedy elements in the episode as well. And, uh, you know, you set up uh, the G Gorilla Grodd's introduction here, Gorilla City uh, and and everything that comes with that, which would come come into play later on, not only in season two of Justice League, but then, as we mentioned, a huge part of that final season of Justice League Unlimited. So, yeah, so many important parts of that. But the Flash's role in that, as you mentioned, it really, really is a Flash and Green Lantern uh, story. It does do a better, a good job of fleshing out the Flash as a character, showing uh, his uh, his, you know, his uh, his place in central city you know um you know him and him and green lantern even even get the the buddy cop version as they're sitting there like at a cafe or at a at a uh, at a like a burger joint eating food after their uh after their they've been on patrols so you you get a lot of fun interesting elements here and fleshing out of the characters but uh it's uh it's a great episode again highly recommend checking it out we just just did that one uh in the last uh the last six months or so so if you have not checked that one out that's a fun one to go back and revisit uh in the archives absolutely absolutely yeah it's it's a lot of fun that first season of justice league i think uh, as we look back on it especially now it's it, because so much great stuff comes later in the second season and then certainly in JLU, I think the first season of J Justice League can be looked at. It's a little more shaky. They were certainly still finding their footing 
Um, as mentioned, bringing on writers like uh, like uh, Dwayne McDuffie certainly helped uh, find find their way. I think by the certainly by the end of season one and and into season two, they're beginning to find their way a little bit more. But but yeah, I think uh, that that episode is a good example of one. That's an episode we saw a lot uh, when we were kids, and it's it's certainly one that uh, I think holds up that I that I think of pretty fondly as a a fun episode to go back to now. But uh, that will wrap up the televised portion of volume one of our flash character spotlight here, Cal. However, as we always do, we will look at some of the, uh, the, the uh, merchandise as well as some of the tie in comics that go along with it. And funny enough, uh, the flash, he, uh, he, his first DCAU appearance is, uh, is in Superman. And then his next DCAU appearance is not technically in, uh, in secret origins part one. It's in uh, Batman Gotham Adventures number 25, uh, written by Scott Peterson with art by Tim Levins. And uh, it's kind of a, it, it's a, that the thing that stands out to me there is I, I believe it's a, it's a Rick Burchett cover of, uh, of Batman sort of standing very, uh, very stoically as the flash kind of speeds all around him. But uh, the idea of seeing sort of these, uh, these, as we always talk about with the tie in comics, these extra little stories that, that didn't quite make it onto TV, but uh, that feel like they they fit in that universe. Always fun to uh, to see Batman of all people tasked with uh, with a a a super powered hero to uh, to work with here. And uh, and so seeing seeing the Flash and Gotham Adventures was uh, was quite a bit of fun at that point. And uh, from there, of course, we also have a couple of issues of Justice League Adventures, where the Flash was the star. We have uh, Justice League Adventures number seven, written by Len Kaminsky with art by Joe Staten. That is the the episode that might be that my one of my most memorable issues of that tie-in comic. First of all, it has a very memorable Darwin Cook cover yeah. uh, on it, and then it, you have the Flash. Uh, in order to try to stop a, a alien invasion, he sends himself through a fax machine <laughs> uh, uh, to stop them, which uh, inadvertently flattens himself out makes himself two-dimensional but ultimately he saves the day because he's the only person who can see these invading two-dimensional characters uh these aliens it's a really silly uh silly issue but but pretty memorable yeah it's uh, funny well. that you mentioned that i like i know the co- i know exactly the cover that you're talking about i can see it in my head two-dimensional flash running around uh, as you mentioned, a great cover from from uh, the late great Darwin Cook, but then the, the whole concept of the fact that he's he's two dimensional after setting himself through a fax machine and can therefore only see these two D uh, uh, characters that are invading. Uh, what a ridiculously funny! It like it fits well because it's a comic book. If this was an episode of a of a television show, we'd be scratching our heads and going, "What in the world is this?" But because it's it's a it's a comic it works well it's a goofy it's certainly a goofy issue but uh certainly memorable like i remember it i remember you i remember what it looks like i remember what the 2d aliens look like just just from the prompting so uh, (laughs) i think they did their job there absolutely and then the last one we'll mention is a couple issues later in justice league adventures number nine written by matt howarth with art by david lopez uh, sort of a, just a, a fun little, uh, a, a bit simpler of, a, of an issue here with uh, the Flash, Wally West. Uh, this was actually, I think, technically, although, as we know, the tie-in comics, uh, not always, uh, they don't always fit neatly into the 
the DCAU canon, as we've talked about, as we regularly talk about, certainly with, uh, say, Batman The Adventures Continue, which we review in our bonus episodes uh, quite often. But uh, we have Wally West out, uh, out for a night on the town on a date, but having to constantly leave to uh to do to do various adventures as the flash kind of constantly being called into action it's, it's a fun cute little issue and uh speaking of uh and speaking of uh, dcau legends it's a got a pretty fun uh, butch lukic cover on it has this sort of painted aesthetic to it but it's a uh, a fun little issue as well there as we uh, will wrap up the comic portions and get into maybe what is our one of our favorite parts of the character spotlight episodes, Cal, which is the figures. And uh, that that original Mattel Justice League line, as mentioned, not not a lot of villains in that line. So we got a we got quite a few releases of that original Flash figure. Yeah, you have, uh, I think, the standard yellow. They came back later on with like a goldish version. Um, I, I will say it's the first I think it was the first Justice League animated figure that i got mm-hmm. uh from my recollection because at that point you have a superman figure you have a batman figure um you know why do you why would you you wouldn't necessarily need another one of those so if you're in the toy store you're at toys r us and uh and your parents are offering to buy you a figure which one are you going to pick you're not going to get you're not going to get one of the ones you already have you're going to get somebody that you don't <laughs> have so the flash of course being uh one of the one of the first first opportunities to snatch one of those i i grabbed it as soon as possible but with the uh with the standard yellow boots but yes as you mentioned um they they, they certainly captured the likeness it's one of the best i mean that original the original seven figures that they dropped look like miniature versions of the of the the maquettes that they that they released for the justice league and uh yeah they're it's it's impressive it's a very 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 impressive uh figure especially for a four and a half or five inch i guess a four and a half uh inch figures so uh yeah it's impressive it captures the likeness perfectly he's kind of got the little flash smirk on his face um, you know, the colors colors were maybe a little too muted on the original release. He doesn't quite have the bright crimson red on the costume uh, that would be later corrected uh, in some of the, the subsequent releases. It was also hard. He only he has got five points of articulation. So his arms can move up and down, his legs move up and down and his head moves. But you can't really get him into a running pose. So he's just kind of standing there. So you kind of had to use your imagination a little bit more than uh, you would would have done so with some of those uh, later releases where they allowed you to bend his arms and legs but it definitely captures that bruce tim uh style of artwork certainly looks like the the model sheet whoever was responsible for the the flash model sheet uh captured perfectly in this three-dimensional form so hard to hard to beat that uh, that version of of the character but uh he wasn't uh it, it, again they did some some re-releases as you mentioned where he had some extra uh, extra gear added on and part of the mission vision line where he had some like space stuff added on. And then you have the mm-hmm. twin turbo deluxe figure, which is just an excuse to get mom and dad to pay an extra three <laughs> or $4 for some plastic accessories that don't make too many sense. But uh, yeah, you also had the, I think, which to me are the, the, the maybe most underrated and, and, uh, and best 
captured the the likenesses and that's the like the 10 inch 10 to 12 inch line of uh, Justice League figures that they put out at the time that were based on the original uh, Warner Brothers maquettes of these these uh, characters and uh, that whole original seven that you can get just are are absolutely uh perfectly capture the the animation form of these these characters and that flash figure is is no exception it's it's perfect he's a little bit shorter than than batman and superman so he kind of fits in there well uh stands well you can only move his arms but uh those characters those particular figures were not meant to be like super played with they're just kind of they're just kind of there to stand and look cool so they're a uh they're an excellent part of uh of anyone's display if you ask me uh but uh yeah that wouldn't be it as uh even within the last uh five to ten years i guess five years uh i know they did do some justice league maquettes uh, at some mm-hmm. point dc direct did uh maquettes of the original seven uh, they had the uh, the the mail away. I guess it was a subscription uh, subscription service where you got these little tiny uh, statues based on the Justice Leaguers. So these little they're like three inch tall or so. I think you have a couple, actually. I may have gifted yeah, them. for uh, for my birthday. You got me uh, quite a few of them. Yeah. So you have uh, you have the the flash in, in there as well. It's uh, mm-hmm. again, these are just little display pieces, not meant for actual playing or display or, or much uh, action displays. But you did have the uh, DC collectibles did on their their deathbed originally directly only available through the DC Universe streaming app. The best streaming app in the world in my humble opinion <laughs> so it's a wonderful app uh but originally available only through there they did a line of the original seven justice leaguers so you had the flash there mm-hmm. that one um it was plagued that whole line was plagued unfortunately with some some poor construction uh the 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 hand, it looked like they did a lot of cost cutting this was of course the time they were doing the batman the animated series figures which have, have stood the test of time with multiple oh, yeah. hands and expressions and all of that uh this line got cost cut at the very last minute it looks like so while you can take hands off there were no subsequent hands and uh he's kind of standing awkwardly with his elbows kind of uh, paired in towards him so it, it's it's not the best it could have been one of the be- better figures um it uh the, the they didn't quite capture the likeness on the head either it looks a little little goofy to be honest uh, and then uh, I think most recently we actually had the very first ever release of a of what was supposed to capture the his appearance in Superman the animated series as uh, as McFarlane did a a DCAU flash figure mm-hmm. and on the packaging it says Superman the animated series so uh, we we get that Speed Demons appearance at least in the interpretation of the sculptors at McFarlane. I was going to say of... the, the 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 big glaring things for me with that McFarlane release are uh, he doesn't have the you know, on the Superman costume he has like the black rim around the lightning mm-hmm. bolt and mm-hmm. black circle instead of a gold one, mm-hmm. which they did not put on the figure. He just has the you know he lo- it's it's a pretty solid Justice League Flash, ironically. Sure. Yeah. But they chose to call it a, a Superman the Animated Series Flash. And also in that Superman episode, one of his uh, his little ear things. Whatever you, what do, they, do we have a name for those? Pikes. I don't know what they're called. No, they're not pikes. Yeah. Uh, ear pendants? No. Yeah. Pend- yeah, maybe pendants. But whatever those things. One of them is just white the whole time for uh-huh. some reason in that episode. It's really distracting. I remember that. Uh, watching watching some some clips of these episodes to get ready for this. I was like, oh, right. 
his one his one pendant is just white in every shot for some reason very strange uh but yeah so it's not it's not a direct uh recreation but it's a it's a, like i said it's a good it's a good dcau flash figure it's just ironically not the flash that costume that they're supposed to be depicting right yeah very odd odd choice so um now we we know that mcfarlane has re-released some of the batman the animated series figures so who knows maybe we'll get a re-release with some of those corrections of the maybe the dc collectibles versions or who knows down Mm -hmm. the line but uh yeah i i would say that uh the last thing that we have to talk about liam ironically also links to the superman the animated series and we talked about how that mcfarlane figure was the first official depiction but uh thanks to the uh the instagram account at toy otter we have uh we had pictures of an unreleased kenner flash figure that was supposed to come out during the 97 uh, Kenner run of the uh, Superman, the animated series figures. And uh, they, the folks at toy otter posted this, uh, they uh, check them out on Instagram, head on over there. They post, they're doing their own toy figure line right now that you can go and, and take a look at. But I would say maybe a year or two ago, they did this series of posts about all unreleased toys and action figures showing prototypes and designs and things that just will absolutely blow your mind. It was every single day there was something new and it, and, you know, it, it goes all the way from Superman and, and, and Batman figures, as we mentioned to uh, you know, other properties, you know, that, that, that are just going to absolutely blow your mind. So if you don't follow them, check out toy otter on, on Instagram, if that's your jam, because uh, they blew our minds with the reveal of this, what was supposed to be a flash figure and revealed mm-hmm. that there was also going to be other figures, perhaps a Dr. Fate and a, and an Aquaman figure for the Superman series that also never saw the light of day, but we got to see actual pictures of a prototype figure. And while it, it didn't follow the, the Bruce Tim sort of clean lined straight boxy look uh, and, and certainly fit more into the, those, those figures at the time, the, the total justice ab bearing action figures with defined muscles, I couldn't help but think, man, I would have killed to have had this figure in 1997 or 98 to play with my to play with my superheroes. Absolutely. Yeah, it would have been uh, it would have been a great, great piece for the collection, because it's funny. We were just talking about how the Justice League line didn't didn't feature a lot of, you know, non non Justice League characters in it. Non, uh, you know, not a lot of villains in those sets um and it would have been nice to have filled out that line a little bit more um yeah and the same same way of superman a lot of alternate repaints of various of those various kenner superman made it into those sets and and then you did you did thankfully have more villains uh fleshed out in that series with brainiac and luthor and and bizarro and metallo but uh but yeah you you if you had one thing to miss especially as mentioned as the show went on and you got the flash, you got green lantern, you got Aquaman, you had Dr. Fate, like all these sort of guest characters that, uh, that rolled into the series. It would have been really cool to get, uh, to get a few more of those animated, uh, those animated versions of the characters in, in that Kenner line. It certainly would have been a, a godsend to us as, uh, as kids playing, playing with them. So we didn't have to keep mixing in our, uh, you know, our Kenner, uh, you know, death of Superman steel and our, our, <laughs> our total justice flash and, and all of those with our, with our DCAU figures, it would have been, uh, it would have been pretty great to get, uh, to get those animated versions back then. But uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. That that's a, that's a really fun find. As mentioned, at Toy Otter on Instagram posts a lot of uh, a lot of historic and 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 sort of uh, lost prototypes and things on on their on their page from time to time. And yeah, seeing that pop up, it was a real uh, real uh, you know brain wrinkling moment of oh my gosh, what could have been with uh, with that Kenner line? <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. Definitely check them out. And uh, yeah, make sure uh, you tweet at us or send us a message on on Instagram if you had any of these these figures when you were growing up. We, as we mentioned, we had to use the Total Justice Flash for a very long <laughs> time for our DCAU Flash until the uh, till the Justice League line hit. So yeah, uh, lots of lots of good representation, especially of this particular incarnation of the Flash. I think if I had to pick my favorite, as I mentioned at the top, it's hard to beat those ten inch figures just because yeah. they capture. They capture the likeness so, so well, even if you're not playing with them nowadays as a display piece. Think about it. Those were like, I think at the time they may have been 15 bucks, maybe 12 to $15 figures. And you're basically getting what, what nowadays, if you, if you had to pay for that representation of, of those characters, you know, and let's just say even in, in PVC form, I think I'm pretty sure uh, diamond select charges like upwards of 50 to $60 for, Mm -hmm. uh, for plastic maquettes now. So you know, at the time, and you can still pick them up. They're pretty relatively inexpensive. So they're they're a good focal point for a DCAU collection or a Justice League animated collection. Or uh, even if you don't don't have a particular collection, you just want want good representation of the Flash. Uh, it's a uh, it's a great piece, and and uh, it's probably my favorite. You got a you got a favorite to pick? Yeah, I'd probably just go with that original uh, Justice League Mattel. Uh, you know, first oh, one yeah. there. I think it's just because that's that's the one I I remember playing with playing it so much that the joints got loose and mm-hmm. and thankfully thankfully you know we'll we'll get to those jlu lines down on the road but eventually we had more flashes and supermans and <laughs> and batman than we knew what to do with when it came to because of those those three packs that came out in the jlu <laughs> lines but yeah at the time when that when we first got a hold of that original flash uh from from the first first series where you know, each character, except for Hawkgirl, uh, got a, you know, got a release and they all had the the interconnecting uh, stands that came with the figures. So getting, mm-hmm. you know, li- lining them all up together with that, with that flash was, uh, was pretty good. So that's kind of the one that sticks for me, but yeah, those, those 10 inch ones are uh, immaculate. Like it's, uh, it's, it's something that like, it, it's, it's very similar to a, a, the, these statues they made uh, for the Warner brothers studio store. You actually got me the, the Tim Drake Robin one uh, for, mm-hmm. for a gift a few years ago, just very clearly, very directly modeled off of like the model sheet and, mm-hmm. and just done it at such a high level of quality for what was a, a retail shelf doll <laughs> at the time. It's just, yeah, you're not, you're not going to see that, that level of quality in, in, in a figure that size for that price point ever again. So yeah, hard, hard to beat those 10 inch ones at well. And uh, I think we touched on it briefly, but as we as we begin to wind down here, Cal, we'd be remiss not to mention the voice actors behind the Flash, and of course, most famously, uh, we have Michael Rosenbaum, Lex Luthor himself in Smallville, and several other projects. Podcast aficionado now, but uh, first up, we had Charlie Schlatter as as Flash in the uh, in Superman the animated series. And he does a solid job. Like you said, we will perhaps go back and, and revisit his performance in more depth in a future episode. But obviously, again, as we've just been talking about for the last uh, the last hour or so, Michael Rosenbaum's voice, um, you know, being cast by had done plenty of voices in 
in Batman Beyond, we talk about that a lot where we'll, we'll come across, uh, you know, a famous or familiar voice in a role before they got the role that everybody knows them for in these, uh, in these cartoons. So you, you can hear Rosenbaum a lot in, in Batman Beyond and the Zeta Project before ultimately he landed sort of the perfect role for him that, that Andrea Romano and, and Bruce Tim and the rest of the producers on the series found for him, that being the flash where he becomes, I think, I think along with, uh, along with Phil Lamar as, as John Stewart and, and, uh, and Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, he gets to sort of, you know, make a, a new character for, for that series that, and ultimately, you know, and very quickly sort of becomes the iconic voice actor for that character where it's it's a hard act to follow i think as anyone who has uh, has voiced the flash since probably knows very well so um you know needless to say we sing his praises quite regularly on the show so we don't need to go too in depth but we'd be remiss not to mention just like the the element of that that playful and energized nature that uh, that michael rosenbaum is always as as talented of an on-screen actor as he is uh you know was kind of just born to be a voice actor as well and it's as as we've talked about not every not every tele- television or, or film actor can transition to, to voice acting and and vice versa so somebody as versatile as him finding that role and just excelling in it is uh is always fun when we get to uh, when we get to talk about a, a rosenbaum flash episode yeah it's it's uh, yeah he's he's one of the he's in the discussion for going on the mount rushmore of, of voice actors for sure for the show mm-hmm. he defines the character uh you know i i i think we we touched on as we kind of talked about the individual episodes but there's not uh with the exception of maybe brave and the bold there's not one particular episode where he carries a lot or is asked to carry a lot so you get that later on certainly fleshed out in justice league unlimited as he became more of the focal point later on but yeah it's it's uh for for what's asked of him, he's asked to be a, a, com, a you know comedic relief at times, uh, while also still balancing it the fact that he is a superhero on a show that is m- majorly uh, for the majority serious. Uh, so he does provide that that lighthearted nature. Um, he does is able to kind of switch back and forth, like he does have that characterization of being serious. That whole his whole persona in the Savage Time is he's he's not like cracking wise and having a whole bunch of quips after he realizes the the serious nature of the mission that they're on once he realizes they're back in time and the nazis are winning it's pretty much all business for the for the most part so yeah he he had, he's unsurprisingly a very dynamic actor he's a bit uh you know an incredible part of the dcau for the various different roles that he played but this being his defining role um he is the flash to to me to to you to so many people so yeah it's it's unsurprising that uh, we're gonna heap loads of praise on him in in this uh in this forum but you know what else can you say he's really good he's he he does his job he provides the comedy that's necessary and this is at a time where he was also playing the serious lex luthor character on smallville as you mentioned so it's to be able to differentiate and be able to be that super serious, mean villainous character on television. If you're watching Smallville, but then you come here and he's able to, to, to put on a completely different uh, tone and come across and not, there doesn't seem to be any bleeding or crossover. Like there's no, no confusion of character in my mind. Like they're two separate people. They're two separate characters. It's not like, Oh, that's Lex Luthor or, Oh, that's flash. 
And they would play upon that later on, obviously. But yeah, he's really good. We could talk about this for another 20 minutes, but we won't. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to save uh, some additional Rosenbaum praise for uh, future episodes of Justice League and JLU, as well as, of course, uh, the next volume of the Flash Character Spotlight. And uh, as as we get uh, closer to wrapping things up here, Cal, we will uh, touch briefly on the music. There, There is sort of a a brief Flash theme. It doesn't feel like there's one consistent theme throughout the series the way there is for a Green Lantern or Wonder Woman or certainly not Superman and Batman, which, you know, follows follows those characters through multiple series. But uh, there is there's kind of a, a flash theme that plays. It's actually got it's some of some of the earliest adoption in Justice League, at least of electric guitar music brought in by our dynamic music partners of Lolita Ritmanis, Christopher Carter and Michael McQuistian. Uh, I think you can you can hear it pretty evidently in the uh not only in Brave and the Bold parts one and two, but it's kind of brought back in the uh, the uh, the uh, episode of season two, Eclipsed, as well. There's kind of a, a sort of a, a little bit of a rocked out theme for the Flash, usually when he's in a, a bit more of a, of a chase sequence going on, which certainly that, that happens quite a few times in Brave and the Bold. So not necessarily the the most identifiable theme that I think we have. And, and part of that also goes back to uh, not all of the music of, of Justice League and JLU has been released on its own soundtrack, so it's a little bit, a little bit harder to always parse out a theme for for that character when it isn't maybe as, as obvious. But there's, I think, I feel like it's more of a Flash's Flash's theme is more of the tempo than it is like the actual notes being played. There's a certain, it's more of a the vibe and and the speed of the music that comes in with with Flash. Yeah, it sets the tone for the the frantic nature of the character, the speed, the drums, the percussion, the bass line. It's definitely more bass and drum driven than it is melodic, which is certainly a departure from, as you mentioned, the more notable themes of the of the series. But yeah, it's a fine piece. I it's funny. We were in the preparation for the the episode. We pulled it up and listened to the composition. And I told you, I was like, I, I think if this hadn't been available on YouTube to listen to, I don't think I could have identified a flash theme um, because it, it, it was not the focal point of a lot of episodes um, that I think the one example that they have uh, that was on the soundtrack was actually, it kind of melds in with the green lantern theme at the end. So you, it's not even, it doesn't feel like it even has its own definition of theme. It's just drums, horns, uh, the synthesizer and and the there is some electric guitar that's put that's played in there, but that's not a defining melodic refrain that you're going to remember over and over again, like Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman or even the Green Lantern. So, yeah, it's it is a a fine piece. I think the speed defines it as OK, this is a, a character that whose skill set is based on his speed. We're going to create a fast paced a piece of of music here that will accompany that with more percussion and and bass driven than it is uh you know trying to get somebody to play a whole bunch of notes on a guitar so um i think because of that it it's maybe it's not going to be one that you you return to or remember very easily but it's it's interesting i like the idea behind the composition if that was the thought process of we're going to define it by its speed versus its actual melody which obviously goes well with the character Absolutely. And uh, as as unsurprisingly, the uh, the great work on display from the dynamic music partners on music there. Cal, we will begin to wrap it up for this volume one 
of this Flash character spotlight. We'll be back, as mentioned, with a volume two, possibly a volume three, based on all of the appearances in season two and, and certainly JLU as well. But uh, for now, we wrap things up here uh, and we want to thank everyone for listening, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or of course, as mentioned on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, head over to youtube.com slash the Pod Tower. You can subscribe to us. Subscribing to us is a great free way to help out our show. And uh, you can also leave us a review, give us five stars on the podcast apps, give a like to the YouTube videos. We appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to support us more directly uh, in a financial way, there are a couple of ways to do so in the show notes. There's a little donate button where you can just buy us a coffee, throw us a couple bucks. We always appreciate that. It's very, uh, very humbling that anyone would, 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 uh, would choose to do that, but we always appreciate it. And then of course you can also head to our store and uh, pick yourself up a hat or a shirt or a mug or something. Both of those available in the links in the show notes. And uh, Cal, as we continue on to next week, this is technically, believe it or not, still a Superman month. <laughs> and we will be heading back to Superman, the animated series next week. That is right, Liam. We are back on track here, as we mentioned at the top, uh, with our finite amount of content left that we haven't already reviewed uh we are going to be tackling one of our final new reviews of superman the animated series and it is the the wrapping up of the bizarro trilogy as i would call it and that is uh tackling the the final encounter that we get at least on superman the animated series with bizarro but of course there is a wrinkle in fact as we are once again bringing back another recurring character that being of course mr Mixius Spitlick as we are going to tackle the episode Little Big Head Man and uh, an, an episode again that uh, I recall seeing quite often and uh, <laughs> is, is probably uh, one of the more comedic episodes that we uh, we're going to cover with our remaining content here so it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting one to say the least that's right heck of an act to follow with that original Mixius Spitlick episode it's just just Indeed. One of the most irreverent and bizarre episodes of of television these uh, that Paul Dini ever wrote. And think of the crown that covers. But uh, <laughs> we'll definitely look forward to covering that next week, Cal. But until then, I'm Liam. And I am Cal. And we'll talk to you next time on another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.